Ladies and gentlemen, Crystal Clear Industries, in association with Rhinestone Radio Podcasts, is proud to present Old Hollywood Realness. Brought to you in vibrant podcastoscope for your listening pleasure. Join your hosts Kathleen Null and Philip Estrada as they recap Hollywood's dazzling darlings one film at a time. And now, please sit back, relax, and enjoy the program. Finest evenings, my goodly lady. <laughs> good evening. I was going to say good morrow, but I'm like, I think that's morning. I don't know. I don't know what good morrow means. Good morrow, fine sir. Good morrow, fine renaissance fair lady. <laughs> May I say what a lovely caftan you're wearing today. The fine, I'm wearing my caftan finery for you, and I'm feeling myself as if one, the dove, flies over the, the horizon in the woods. Ah, well, you are so fine, I'd like to cut you into a thousand tiny stars and put you into the heavens. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to Old Hollywood Realness. Yes, we are not good at speaking Old English. No, (laughs) but welcome to another installment of Shakespeare American Style. That's right. Sexy Sailor Summer Series on Old Hollywood Realness. The podcast. No, no, no. No. On ye old Hollywood realness? No, no. <laughs> Sexy summer Shakespeare series. You said sailor. <laughs> what did I say? Oops. Sailor. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, we're recording at night this time, so I'm not, like, hopped up on, you know, caffeine, so... No. The Sexy Summer Shakespeare series. That's right. One of our, um, we're forging straight ahead with Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. Culture, um, y'all. Yes. Um, this is from 1936, and it's from a studio called MGM. And uh, let's see. Who do we got in this film? We've got Norma Shearer. She plays mm-hmm. Juliet. Mr. Leslie Howard plays L- Romeo. John Barrymore plays Mercutio. Edna Mae Oliver plays nurse, the nurse to Juliet. Uh, I don't know what I was about to say there. Um, <laughs> nurse. Norse. <laughs> She's the Norse god Thor. Hello, nurse. <laughs> uh, Basil Rathbone. So yeah, I know. I love her. <laughs> um, so Basil Rathbone plays Tybalt. Uh, C. Aubrey Smith plays Lord Capulet, uh, Romeo's dad. No, nor uh, Juliet's dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andy Devine plays Peter, servant to the nurse. Conway Tyrrell plays the Prince of Verona. I know I'm, I'm all over the place with these names. Uh, Robert Forbes plays Paris, who is the betrothed to Juliet. And then we've got Reginald Denny plays Benvolio, mm-hmm. which is awesome. This film is directed by Mr. George Cukor, and the costumes are by Adrian and Mr. Oliver Messel. Mm-hmm. Um, so Kathleen, do you have a history with this film? No, with, actually, with I don't. The Bard's work. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have a history with the other film, the other Romeo and Juliet's, the Zeffirelli and the uh, the Baz Luhrmann ones, but this one mm-hmm. was brand new to me and. Um, uh, found it on Amazon and thought it would be really great because as we had done earlier with like when we did West Side Story or sorry when we did Kiss Me Kate and then Taming of the Shrew we thought well it'd be cool if we found like a classic version 
esque of uh, Romeo and Juliet since we did West Side Story. And um, at first we were thinking Zeffirelli, but then we found this one and both you and me were like, dude, we hadn't seen this before. Mm-hmm. It's got Norma Shear, yeah. costumes by Adrian, and done. So yes. it was like, um, yeah, we should be. So uh, I'm really, really glad we did this movie. Um, yeah, so it was brand new for me. For uh, Was it new for you as well? Yes, so I had not seen this version as well. Um, The only one that I've seen, well, the only one, I too have seen the the Zeffirelli version and Mm -hmm. also the Baz Luhrmann version. I actually saw the Baz Luhrmann version in theaters when it came Um, out. uh, Me too. I just want to say we were in high school. I know. That was a formative Um, movie for me. (laughs) Yes. Well, I saw it in the theater on, um, of all things, a date with Mm. a girl. It was the last day oh! I ever went on with a girl. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's that. Um, it holds a special place in my heart because, you know, it was a desperate try, <laughs> as one might say. Well, um, you know, one last hey, If anything's going to make you feel like if you uh, figure that out, well, watching, watching this story will be like, probably look, confirm if you're gay or straight, I <laughs> yes. think. Because, I, so. I mean, let's face it, it is, I mean, and I mean that in actually in all the greatest ways, like it's a really mm-hmm. great love story and it's, it's, it's such a pure love story and it's really tragic. And I know there's people like, oh, you know, young, dumb teenagers, or mm-hmm. you can think of it as like truly love at first sight and the whole like star cross lovers, like, you know, uh, you know, people who were meant to be, but who could never be. And, um, and so I think it's really, I mean, it. Oh, it's so good when you're a teenager because you're feeling all your feels mm-hmm. and yes. thinking all the things, and then you this know to, is a to know this is, fueled rock. Yes, yeah, <laughs> and I think I think to me like what resonates is like I don't know about you, but like in my freshman year was when they t- teach us Romeo and Juliet, yeah, and um, they I don't know if they time it this way or it just sort of happens, but you're the same age as the characters in the story, and I think that that in so many may in so many ways it, huh. it makes you kind of sit up and for me like sit up and listen where even it's like hundreds of years old i'm like oh this is a story about someone like me someone like us but a long time ago because i was i liked history even then so um so i think that it was that's why i always say like this was sort of my gateway story into not just enjoying his, shakespeare but enjoying history as a teenager um and and so yeah just it's got so much like so much of everything and everything that you're kind of feeling at, i think as a teenager whether you're an introvert extrovert cool not cool you know i mean i was a little fucking weirdo when i was that that age you know <laughs> i definitely was not dating or had any game and i just but i was so taken with this story so completely taken and then and then a few years later i think i was probably like a i want to say a junior in high school when the baz lerman movie came out and it or and it's just you're just like was this made just for me (laughs) like it was so good and oh it's so good um I don't. I don't care what anyone thinks. They can fuck right off if they don't like that movie or that version of it. It's so good. And uh, I know. Just I. I, you I know, agree with I you. Love it. I, 
I really do agree with you because yeah. I went when I went I went with this girl <clears throat> who was a bit of a theater nerd mm-hmm. um you know and like at the end of it I was just like wow that was a pretty dope movie and like of course I didn't say that right away and she was like she was like that was terrible and I was like okay sure it was terrible but like in the back of my mind I was just like bitch that, like, movie that movie's was dope like, yeah, exactly and then the was soundtrack so cool. was even more dope. oh my god the soundtrack oh was so good anyway, the soundtrack of our lives we're not here to talk about that movie <laughs> sorry I know but. I was actually like trying to like actively trying to not segue into that movie or the Zeffirelli one because I'm like I feel like I have stories yes. around both of them and I'm like we're not doing yeah. that one back to yeah, Norma I do sure. remember I do remember <laughs> watching the Zeffirelli one I think in high school they played mm-hmm. that for us when yeah. we were and I think that they had an edited version because I think there's boobs in that one if there I'm not is mistaken. there is I have but, a super funny story around that about <laughs> okay and I was like do I tell the story in this one oh tell the but, story okay, so picture it Houston, 1993, <laughs> okay, 14 <Sophia>. years old, <laughs> freshman in English class, Miss Pruitt's, like, I think it's like fifth period English, and we're watching this, and mind you, it, this is the buckle of the Bible bout, like, we're lucky we get to even, like, learn this story at all, uh-huh. and I remember they had a VHS, she had a copy of Romeo and Juliet, but, you know, it wasn't like a bootleg, like, it was a real one, so, like, no, she's not gonna go, like, it's not a pre-edited one, it's just the one, and all they show you even I'm sure there's this might even be the edited version there's a flash of where she I think I remember it well because of this but you you know there's a part where you see his ass his perfect perfect ass and then and then then, um there's a part where she you know like she kind of gets up and she's startled and then she flips the covers off and you see her boobs for like a microsecond and okay so she did a really good job, like, sort of, pot, like, she had to, you remember, if anyone remembers, folks, doing the whole VHS in school, doing the pause and rewind, you'd have to stand next to it. There's no remote, right? So she's doing this, like, right. manually, like, creeping up as we're watching it, waiting for that, like, strategically waiting for that part, pausing the, okay, we got the ass part, good, cool, done, cool pause done move on and then right when she's like she's you know waiting because we're you know dialogue goes she goes to like sit and she instead of pausing it you know to, to fast forward it through it she paused it right on the part like where it's like mid boob so we just got like that full <laughs> shot and it's just paused and she's panicked and so instead of like fast forwarding through it we got like a pause shot like a like something that <laughs> Every boy in that room could only be so lucky to pause for that moment <laughs> and want to keep on that. And it was like that. And we were oh, all just laughing. God. So um, <laughs> shout out to Miss Pruitt. Uh, thank you very much. I got an A on my Romeo and Juliet project, which was me designing the costumes and doing some costume sketches. Oh, <laughs> that's so cute. Oh, yep. yeah. so, so yes, that was that was a positive high school story. That's wonderful. <laughs> This yep. one though, I'm like I. This I one, yeah. I could have swore that I've seen this one before, but I guess when watching it, I was like, oh, maybe I haven't seen this. And I've seen like definitely seen mm-hmm. photos of it, and I've seen uh, fo- like stills from it, and I've also seen like I know Debbie Reynolds had a few of the costumes in her collection, so I'd seen it in yeah. the catalog that she sold, and I was just like, oh, cool. And then I watched the movie, and I was like, holy shit, this movie yes. has got some looks. Like, it they has, are and they keep going it. all like full two hours oh, of looks. Oh my god, yeah. Like I mean the. I mean, the opening sequence is amazing mm-hmm. when they have all the you know the families come in with their yes. with their fucking entourages and all the of like bugle horn, oh, bugle players and all this stuff. Yep. Like, good lord! And then then it goes into the uh, the masquerade ball thing, which mm-hmm. was 
fant I mean like period costumes fantasy like um, fear like I, I, full look, fantasy. I want to show you crazy. my notes I wrote down lavish and cursive with a diamond above <laughs> dotting the I that's that's how I feel about that scene <laughs> Lavish, opulence, <laughs> opulence. <darling>. opulence. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's so cool. And so, so I had. Cool. Um, did you get any? Re- um, were you able to research anything on Mr. Oliver Messel? Because I know that we've researched Adrian before a little bit and gotten. So I had found some information yeah. on him, but it's, um, you know, it basically, I found out that he was an accomplished costume and set designer in England from, mm-hmm. be, you know, um, from the 30s all the way into the 70s. Um, his family was well-connected in British society, and his his nephew, Mr. Anthony Armstrong Jones, married Princess Margaret in 1960. Wow. I know, right? Um, so this family, this connection um, allowed him to basically hobnob with the royalty, and he ended up landing a gig designing one of the princess's island homes where he also had a home so it was like this whole thing where he became like a like an interior design an interior decorator as well as a set designer like a um a a, you know like a broadway like i'm not a broadway but he did work on broadway but he also did um a lot of theater in london as well so he was like a prolific um designer he designed for broadway for house of flowers winning a tony award for that and then he also had a limited career in films he designed for the private lives of don juan 1934 the scarlet pimpernel in 34 as well romeo and juliet in 36 the thief of baghdad in 1940 and caesar and cleopatra 1945 these were all costumed those are the ones that he costumed So he also worked in production and sets as well for Romeo and Juliet. He served as a set decorator. He was the art director on Caesar and Cleopatra in 45, um, on Such a Night in 56, and the production designer on Suddenly Last Summer in 1959, where he was nominated for an Academy Award. But he didn't win. But that's his, that's my brief history of Mr. Oliver Messel. Um, I actually found he, apparently all of his sketches from this film were put together in like a, like a, kind of like an anthology book for Mm -hmm. the movie, almost like the art of Romeo and Juliet. And that was sold at bookstores in London and um, it became a collector's item. So there are a lot of costumes. Yeah, so actually I posted on the Pinterest page a lot of the, the costume sketches that he did for this movie. So I'm not really sure. It's not very clear where what the delineation between Adrian's work and Oliver Messel's work is because mm-hmm. it appeared as though um, Oliver Messel did a lot of the designing itself. I don't know to what capacity Adrian worked on this film. Well, I Maybe know Adrian did. and Norma Shear were pretty tight. Like she was right. very much like um, sort of one of his girls, he, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was the costumer for MGM, so I don't mm-hmm. know if maybe it was one of those things where he was, it was like an Edith Head thing. I was just going to say, like, like an Edith Head thing. He gets the credit yeah. because he's making sure it happens, and then Oliver Messel is just lucky that he got credit on this film at all. Yeah, know, even though he might have he done did. the bulk of the work or research right. or whatever. Yeah. Um, I do know that um, the it is interesting because there was a lot of... Um, was reading a lot about the critic the critics and stuff and they were just um kind of bagging on how old leslie howard and norma shearer I were know. It was for these yeah. roles but even mccurcio um, that guy was like in his 50s i oh mean oh my god he was baby so old old yeah old um leslie howard i did the math he was 43 years old when he played romeo 
and Norma Shearer was 34. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, they were basically trying to make her look 20 years younger, <laughs> and I made a list of all the things they were doing to make her look younger. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. I mean... Well, um, they okay. First of all, they used. I'll I'll start. Go 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 head to toe. Um, a lot of her, a lot of her. Like we'll start with the headdresses and headpieces. They did a lot of things. Like even in the opening scene, she's almost wearing what looks like a tiny tiara, and it's this little tiara of flowers. Mm. Or they did little skull caps, little pillbox hats, and then finally at the end, like like sort of like the crown of leaves and everything, which yes. again gives her that very saintly, young, youthful, virginal kind of thing. And um, and also just again saintly. There, there's always sort of this crown and like and halo. And let me get to the hair, which also has that very <laughs> halo appearance. Um, not only is it um, very much like on point for what um, I swear they made her look like Deanna Durbin. Like she has a very oh, like teenage she- looking hairstyle. Um, yeah, like, right? Because doesn't she look kind of yeah. like someone who is in her mid thirties probably would not be wearing their hair like that. Um, but no, it is not also in no. It, it's it's just got more of like what I would consider like a teen, like what teens would like. Again, Google Deanna Durbin at that same time. She, it, she looks just like her, like that same kind of yeah. coiffure. Um, and it's all and, and just to kind of describe it, it's very um, like the whole crown is sort of slicked down, and then all, um, all around her is like a halo of curls the best way to put it. Uh-huh. It's about shoulder length, and it's short at the front, um, kind of curly. Uh, parted in the middle picture like snow white like almost like a like a real life snow Snow white White, right and again just Mm -hmm. very very kind of uh cutesy wootsy as we'd say like youthful (laughs) um and then also very like chaste necklines um everything's very high even if it gives that appearance of being off the shoulder everything's filled in with like a little kind of like modesty pieces um she gets tiny puff sleeves she gets these high you know even though it's italian renaissance like the higher waist and everything that they do almost especially in like the opening dress have almost like more of like a jane austen like feel to them mm-hmm, and are just yeah. very very girly everything is being done to sort of just kind of girlify her um yeah. and uh but then uh, and the the silhouettes are pretty historical but then you also have these very beautiful slippy drapey 1930s fabrics that are being used um uh, especially you see that in like the masquerade scene like she's she's wearing this like almost Italian, like, you know, Italian Renaissance looking gown with the bodice mm-hmm. is cut and done very well. And, but the fabric itself is probably like a silk crepe or something, you know, and yeah. it floats and it's beautiful and it's absolutely perfect for telling the story and looks very theatrical because I feel like that's something in seeing Romeo and Juliet, especially seeing like Juliet's costuming is often done that way where you do these kind of real classic like historical silhouettes but they're done in very soft billowy sheer fabrics to you know express her youth and femininity and innocence and that lightness and in a way almost i think it's sort of this ethereal like a death like she's not even really there like it's kind of you know foreboding in a way too you know creepy ghostly 
And honestly, I think that the entire movie, they wanted it to have a stage-like quality to it. Mm -hmm. Like, the whole thing begins on a stage, actually. And, like, um, the whole opening scene is, like, that first part is, like, you know, in Fair Verona, where we are seeing all of that stuff. That's done, like, on a stage. I love that. I love it. It's, like, like tapestry to painting to real life. It's really cool. cool. And, like, and that's so it almost, like, sets the scene for the viewer that you're watching a stage, something for the stage, Mm -hmm. not something that's in real life. So they did a really amazing job in the production of making this look not flat but they made it look very like kind of just like otherworldly and heightened to the point of like I don't know if they were necessarily going for authenticity but they were going for sort of like fantasy in a way yeah. so like historical fantasy as you might it think. was yeah because everything yeah. like and that is like the nurse she was a nun and her costume was had more bells and whistles than what oh a my nun, gosh. nun actually yeah. would have on it she had like these wonderful like kind of sleeves that were like that had like eyelets with like mm-hmm, lacing through it lacing. that she probably like probably would never have and she had all these like chains and keys like hanging from mm-hmm. her which were just like it was just super hilarious tchotchkes yes <laughs> <laughs> so there was just a lot of like a lot of a it was a like a lot of a lot you know which mm-hmm. was kind which was super amazing and uh, the men's clothing in this movie oh my oh goodness my I also drew some p- different pictures of the cod pieces as I'm flipping <laughs> through my notes because there were diamonds in half circles there were <laughs> there were mm-hmm. puffs and slashes there were jingles and jangles and tassels and thingies and dinglies uh, and danglies bangles and baubles thank you and you beat me dinglies and danglies and that's exactly what they were doing (laughs) moving around it was so distracting and so wonderful at the same time I love it but it it was so great because there's just so much to take in like like, uh, Benvolio's costume Reginald Reginald was wearing this amazing like almost like armor but it was all fabric and they were like yes and it had like these amazing like kind of like beaded pieces on the shoulders mm-hmm. and then they had like this wonderful studying throughout and I think even at one point there they showed like the guards that were like boarding up a house because there was someone with like pestilence or something in it yeah. and they had like that sort of like a uh, quilted like a quilted uh, tunic or something mm-hmm. and that had like tufting and the tufting were straight up rhinestones like it so that they had like they kind of sparkled in a way where just, like, I was just like <laughs> I was like first of all yeah we Oliver Messel, <laughs> as if there was any wondering about it. We know Bo-kay you spent the rest of your life. Uh, yes. <laughs> queen, 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 queen. He was like, I loved it. I mean, I knew that he ended up spending the rest of his life with his life partner, his longtime partner, but I just like didn't need to read that because I knew he was a gay. When I saw he put rhinestones on some popo because... <laughs> Even the cops oh were gosh. glamorous. Like, come on! Uh, did you is... see? And those? Did you see the, all those beaded tassels on like Juliet's dad at the? Oh at my the, god! Yes, there was beaded tassels on. There was a thing that uh, they had like, weird tassels, pockets on they're Romeo. Beaded tassels. It was like oh crazy. There's beaded tassels. There's beaded like, fringe. <laughs> striped striped tights that go into boots. There's like that, that are three col- so two good. colors, and then there's like half what they say party. Oh, it's called party coloring on the yeah. on the mm-hmm. leggings. Is like one side would be solid and the other side. Would have vertical stripes on the different. It was, yeah. Uh, it was like, and there's like, not an e- The extras look as good as the leads. Like anytime oh, they flash to anyone, God. you're just like, I, I paused a couple times. I'm just like, oh wait, let me take a moment at these like yeah. laughing girls in the corner or dudes walking by. I'm everybody looks. Well, I mean, that's classic MGM for you. Like totally. Spare, no sparing of quality. Even there's in the one that you have to. You have got to see. It's astounding. So in the very, I found a photo of this. Um, 
of basically he's called a pole bearer mm-hmm. and he's in the he's basically one of Mon- the montagues kind of like people that hold up their tent as they're walking down and so his uniform was sold at auction and they show it and basically it, it's all black and white but it has these amazing like giant wow. puff sleeves that are all like the whole thing is like applique on applique on applique and in the thing it just looks like shades of gray so you don't expect much but it's like yeah. ne- it's like electric neon green with Ugh. white and like magenta purple on, on like accents on it and the sleeves are like dark purple with like god, these can you big imagine huge if this like color oh, oh my god my god it would have been nanners like so amazing I just and imagine all so this is just one dude now imagine there's like 30 other dudes in these like bright green I couldn't imagine being on set like oh my god that would be astounding but I just I can't even it's uh, it's just so beautiful and then so there's other costumes that just have like there's a lot of like blacks and grays and those sort of things and there's just so much beautiful work that were done in these costumes and there's just just the idea of having like an extra be being wearing like a like neon green with like purple accents is kind of it's kind of stunning and yes. genius in a way I don't know so why. genius well just even knowing like did they pick those colors knowing what they're gonna look like under black and white because that's I, I mean they they know they're making a black and white yeah. film so you know yeah. I often think of like you know how Edith had used to wear these dark colored glasses but that was so that she would help her see how color would look in black and white um, right. Like I often want, like maybe were, were these, I love, I mean, if that's what, what the case was, I just love it. I love how like the, you're basically seeing color through black and white. You're not even looking yeah. at the actual color. You're looking at how those shades and tones are going to show up in black and white. So it's mm-hmm. like, like, but then just to see it, like, you know, like you said, it's just like whack doodle color mixes together. Know. You know, I love it. I just love it. I also, you know, I, I just, sorry, like, I guess I got to bring it back to the Ren Fair. I'm like, why doesn't anybody do this? This would look amazing. I want to see these looks at the Renaissance oh, Fair. Oh, my God. I First want of all, to if see I ever, this so bad. If I ever went to a Renaissance Fair... It, first of all, I'm getting a turkey leg. Right. And second well, of all, uh, obviously, <laughs> um, I'm going to be wearing what Basil Rathbone wore mm. to the wore to the uh, to the masquerade ball because it is yes. amazing. Yes. Like fan, oh my God. full fantasy, like with his weird full armor fantasy. corset, and then he has those armor <laughs> shoulder pieces. Yes. Oh my God. And, and then there's this beautiful cape with all this like wonderful like geometric trimming. And he's, he's like just, a big course, steely owl. <laughs> oh my god and of course it's young basil rathbone he's which is looking like, good yeah, he so looking of course i'm just like <laughs> fanning myself You're like what was that world-class fencer oh my god i know i'm just like he can wrath my bone did i make that <laughs> joke already i think so but it's okay, okay. bring it back you haven't bring done it, it since the court bring jester it. you know so. what let's call it a callback let's call it a callback um so I do um, there's so much to talk about in this movie and also too yes. it's like if you're like if you are watching this movie and you're not huge on like black and white films I mm-hmm. get it this one is re- oh this is something to see like it there's is. so many good and especially even if you're not into like old English because of course it is in like the mm-hmm. still it's the Shakespearean text it's like really beautiful yes yeah, it is really so beautiful. beautiful and yeah like the the I mean we, we have it on Amazon it's so crisp and clear Oh, I mean, the, for being yeah. black and white, it is it is absolutely beautiful, just like watching Marie Antoinette. And um, mm-hmm. wow, talk about just amazing inspiration. It's it just really is like old Hollywood Shakespeare. 
to its finest. Uh-huh. And I was watching uh, it and being like, oh, there's so much you could so take many from looks. this to do yes. to apply to other stuff. Like, I'm just, mm-hmm. If I you do theater in, like, in high school, Ju- Juliet's looks, um, especially for certain... Um, to, for me personally, like certain scenes and certain things that are, I think are really important. Mm-hmm. Her looks are so amazing. And the fact that you have this woman in her mid thirties and she's conveying, you know, she's doing her damnedest to try to be and do this role. And I think it's great. And I, yeah. I was also really fun doing this. Like I get to go down the road of researching more about Norma Shear and her story, which is just so amazing and and like you said she was um about 34 when she did this movie and um her husband was a big boss at mgm and they had been together at this point for almost 10 years or no probably about like seven or eight years right and they had uh, i think they got married in the late 20s and they had a couple kids together and um i was reading i think this is so crazy that he so he was only a few years older than her and They both worked like all the time and he died suddenly. He actually died the night of the LA premiere of this movie. Oh, wow. Like unexpectedly. And so, um, I, and I just think that's so crazy. Like that, um, because, and then right after this, she went into Marie Antoinette because I, I, I remember I looked into this because I remember when we had done, when we were doing that episode and I'm reading about that, I was like, Oh my God, like her husband just died. And, and I just can't imagine like, as you know, some coming from a family of like somebody who was a uh, widowed, like when that, the, the upset in your life is just so crazy. I don't care if you're like a big producer or whatever, but like, um, cause I was also reading like there's like a shady comment that I guess Joan Crawford made about her at the time because you know she did get a lot of the good parts because I mean it may have been one she was good but uh, also her husband yeah. was the boss you know and, and honestly like- <laughs> though all you have to do all you have to watch on this film is like to know that she's a good actress is that scene where she's about to take the poison it's oh god and then also the one when she uh, when she's about to kill herself you're just like this yeah. woman is a great actress and she she earned it like I mean great and yes, she was married to the boss, yeah, and who made all the decisions that might have helped. Good for her. But well, Joan Crawford was like, "How can I compete with so, Norma Shearer when I mean, she's sleeping with the boss?" And I'm like, "Bitch, first of all, if you could do it, you would." <laughs> like, yes. that's my thing. But I don't yeah. know. And honestly, and she was nominated for best actress for this film too. So yeah, she didn't exactly, win it, but she was nominated, exactly. So. She was, and I, I know, I think she was legit good in this movie. And anyway, but I thought that was like really crazy to. Um, that that happened all like just all very suddenly you know what I mean it was like this got released and then like like a couple weeks later he was dead yeah isn't that crazy it's bananas I couldn't yeah so I um I did actually um so I would I did want to kind of um wait till the end to talk about the Facebook group that we put together on oh, sure. Facebook so you can t- um to discuss the movies. But the reason I want to talk about it now is because I invited Mr. Pete Menifee to the group and he accepted it. Woo-hoo! And so I posted on there that I asked if anybody's watching Romeo and Juliet and he posted a whole long thing about it and Whoa. he gave me permission to read it. So 
Fabulous. Here's what Mr. Pete Menifee, costumer to the stars, says. He said in the 70s or 80s, he worked with a lady dyer who was fabulous and could dye anything any color. Her name was Vera Mordant, M-O-R-D-A-N-T. And her first job as a fabric dyer was Romeo and Juliet at the MGM Studios. Wow. Um, he said, I used to love getting, um, getting her talking about her career at MGM. She worked with everyone, Adrian, of course, but designers who were killers, practic- particularly with color, like Irene Sharoff, incredible woman, and thankfully wonderfully retented living history. So I was like, when he posted that, I was like, holy shit, you have to keep going. Tell me everything. And he said, I was like, do you have any stories that we could share on the podcast? Yeah. And he said, yes. Um, so she was a teenager then, and this was her first job. Wow. And he asked, he's like, can you imagine the thrill, uh, the thrill it must have been to work at MGM in the height of their history? Uh, she was a piece of work, extraordinarily talented, but she had to deal with her four full-sized lizards, four feet long, that she kept as pets that had to run free in her studio. <laughs> Not for the faint of heart. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Which is amazing. And then I he goes on to it. say that um, his first, I know. So his first, so basically he was saying that his first big special was for Debbie Reynolds. And um, sh- she had them, so basically uh, this, the Vera, Vera Morton actually opened up her studio to to Pete Menifee and he had a little corner of the shop to himself where he had a, like a cutter working on um, tailoring and stuff and he had mm-hmm. fi- a few assistant stitchers. He said um, it was such a privilege to work there even for a second. Um, even with, re- you know, with the he had like very limited resources. Mm-hmm. Um, they apparently had everything there. Rooms of lace, white, black, colored and fabrics up the yin yang. Wow. <laughs> um, he said, I remember finding beautiful silk moray. Um, um, for a skirt, for, uh, a skirt for Debbie, it was like going into Alibaba's cave. Jesus, is that his his memory of working with the dyer who worked on this movie? Which I'm just like, I love that he's like, okay, um, that he's giving us information on this podcast. It's so wonderful. We thank you so much. Thank Pete you Menifee. so much, I can't Pete. Even, That's awesome. I can't even. So, um, with that, you can join us on the Facebook group. It's um, it's different than the actual just like fan page. So it's called OHR Podcast Darlings. D A A dash l-i-n-g-s and it's where um listeners of the podcast can kind of speak to each interact with each other and share stories or you know discuss things and so um and we posted pictures from our los angeles trip when we went to hollywood (laughs) and you know so it's a little bit more personal stuff and things like that so it's a backstage glimpse so it's um you know it's super fun all the magic happens or yes, the sausage, sausage is made. Is made. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you be the judge. I know. So, um, yeah, so join us there. It'd be awesome to, to, um, to interact with you guys. Um, and I'll talk about it more at the end of the podcast, too. Woo-hoo. But I just wanted to share that with Pete about what Pete said. Yeah. Because like, I did not expect that. And he came in literally moments before we started recording. And I was just like, oh, oh my God. Amazing. I share amazing. Yeah, I just love so that, like, cool. somebody could actually have the role of dire. <laughs> I mean, someone had you know? to do it. Someone had to oh do it. Oh my gosh. So. So it's just an interesting thought to think that, of course, you got to think about it. the costume shops of these days had mm-hmm. just had a stockpile of everything. So they had they had fabric that was you know prepared for dye, and it was just you know raw fabric that you could dye whichever color. So they needed someone on premises to dye it to so that because they're not gonna, you know, they could send it out, but it would just make more sense to just if they're making so many costumes anyway, they just had it all on premises. Yeah. So it's so fascinating Amazing. to think that they would do that. It's just. 
Oh, man, born in the wrong decade. <laughs> I mean, we've talked were, about this many times. I mean, yeah. If I could have been in L.A. and, you know, born in the 20s, raised in the 30s and 40s, I would have been working there. Like, I would have been there in a heartbeat. Uh, yeah, but, me too. Yeah. It calls to me. I Always know. has. But alas, but alas. But um, look at us now doing modern <laughs> things and modern right. stuff. Yeah. I guess. Well, we're sharing the love, which is good. So yes. sharing it with people all across the world. I just love um, that there, this is something that everybody like it does called it calls to a lot of people. We aren't the only yeah. ones, you know, and yeah. we we found our people. <laughs> Yay. I'm, yes, I'm lo- I just love these the sharing the stories. So that's exactly yes. that's exactly what I want to use Keep the coming. group for. So just sharing stories and being able to get these too. So um, I do want to take a moment to talk about Edna May Oliver. Uh, who is the nurse please, in this movie? How is she? she is fantastic. She's kind of and I was like, "What do I know her from? Like, why do I know yes. her? She's so she's uh, she plays Mr. Darcy's aunt in Pre and Pride and Prejudice. That's right. Yes. Oh my god, so and she's, she crushes it in that movie. I mean, amazing. She crushes it in both <laughs> in movies. Both she's so movies. good. Yeah, she's amazing in this movie. And apparently, she even. Um, she even lobbied for this role. She wanted it really, really bad. So I she, can I see why. She She's turned perfect. down. I think she even turned down another movie to get this wow. movie. So she was really in on it, like wanted it. She was like desperate. Um, and I just want a mad shout out to her. She was fantastic. She was fantastic. Film. Like her and her costumes were fabulous. Yes. Too. Um, her costume was fabulous because she didn't actually have any changes. But her, you know, her nuns. Her epic headpiece. And I know. I don't even know how that worked. I was like, is her headpiece made of cardboard or something? Oh, it's, it's probably it's Hollywood, baby. Yeah, it's, ho- it's, it's, it's a conglomeration <laughs> of a lot of things. It's Hollywood, baby. We <laughs> There's magic. nothing accurate about any of this. It is full fantasy. It is full Full fantasy Shakespeare. Um, I actually found a, a painting of this character, and it's done in sort of like the J.C. Lyondecker style. Yeah. Like it looks like a J.C. Lyondecker painting, even though I don't know who it did it or why they did it. It's such a strange. I, I'll post it. It's an interesting painting because it's her in costume from this movie, and it's like a beautiful painting. It's like an illustration of. But I'm just like, why it didn't? And I couldn't find who who drew who painted it or why it was painted or anything. And I there's no I haven't been able to find any other paintings like a series of the characters or wow. anything. So I'm not sure exactly why it was painted, but it's a good painting. So well, it's, fun to it's look at. It, you know it it was it is interesting how like I mean at the time. Like, even just, you know, when we were researching and seeing, like, this was definitely uh, something that they wanted to be, um, I don't know, I... I almost think of it almost like like the way the like the Baz Luhrmann was the Luhrmann one was it, not in that right. exact same vein, but it just that like because um, like I read a quote or I found a quote of like I guess it was Irving Thalberg who said this because this sounds like it was his this was his passion project you know working on it with his wife or whatever and uh, mm-hmm. the whole it was the whole thing of like uh, he said he, you know he wanted to make the production what Shakespeare would have wanted had he. Um, had he had the fact the facilities of cinema you know what i mean and so it's it's that kind of i don't know i guess that was sort of his vision and uh, it feels like almost like a not a it's almost like they wanted it to become like a um a phenomenon like yes like they knew they figured this would become a phenomenon sadly though it did end up losing money it did yeah it was was so expensive well and it was you know it's crazy because she was on fire like once once like it's okay so i was reading that like a week after they married the jazz singer came out 
So uh, like she wow. was like she was this like silent cinema darling, and then all of a sudden when that happened, like it just overnight like talkies happened. And what's really interesting about her though is that Norma Shearer was not only someone who kind of made it into talkies, but uh, actresses tried wanted to sound like her. Um, there oh. was something, yeah, because um, she's Canadian. Uh, she's from Montreal, so shout out to Canada. Mm. She's one of Canadian girls who made it bit uh, oh. old Hollywood girls. And um, <laughs> she, uh, well, and, and she, I, I was reading how, um, yeah, uh, because her, um, she has this, like, she does have, like, this slightly, like, Canadian accent, and uh, I was reading how um, they, they said she had a, a medium-pitched, fluent, flexible Canadian accent, not quite American, and not at all foreign. And uh, so that was critically... <laughs> right? Exactly. Love that. <laughs> and, like, super white is what they're saying. I don't know. Uh, just, <laughs> uh, but uh, they said, you know, she was critically applauded for her voice and uh, widely intimated by other actresses, and I really... I when I see her I see that like I see her, um, I think of yeah. like a lot of things we also have seen in the 30s and it's like she does sort of have that voice and poise and, and thing that was that other people emulated but yet she's not really known for it like we barely right. know like I couldn't find like any sort of official like biography documentary on Norma Shearer you know what I mean huh. like she's she I feel like in a lot of ways she's kind of forgotten unless you really really kind of you know or into old hollywood and you you sort of find out more and more about her yeah, but um, she feels like a she almost feels like a second tier old hollywood queen like she's not the she does even though she like wasn't the, that's what's so right. crazy you know yeah no she was like definitely like hollywood royalty at the time yeah. but like nowadays though she's not that sort of she's not like she hasn't been um there's no drag queens doing her. Exactly. You know what Thank I'm saying? You. Exactly. She doesn't have yeah. that. So she hasn't yeah. been, she doesn't have the drag pantheon of like yeah. Marilyn Monroe or Joan Crawford or like a Mae West, you know? Yeah. But she just hasn't been, transcended that. Exactly. And, um, but I feel like, oh, and I'm sure we're going to, in the, in the future, we're going to be probably doing more of her movies because she did so many of those amazing, oh, so yummy, many. wonderful pre-code movies where she's like, I'm sexually independent and wonderful and free and, and and sexy and you know there's a lot of that sort of um like i think of like a free soul and the divorcee she did a lot of those movies that, yeah. um that the we last just, mrs cheney or something yeah, yeah and then like um yeah she did a lot of those and then um but i think that uh i think once they started sort of cracking down on the code she kind of parlayed into like i'm a classical actress now you know sort of yes. thing and, and I, but i think it's great because she didn't um i noticed too like because she did the barrels of wimple street before this and and some and there were other like historical things but they could get away with still being a little raunchy or getting away with like things that would normally like I think break the code but because they were historical dramas they could get away right. with it like even just yeah. the implying of like Romeo and Juliet sleeping together and like oh my god things. can we talk about oh, that though you. can we talk okay, about so that scene let's go first <laughs> of all first of all you set it up and I hit okay. it up because that scene was so funny it was like because it was like he climbs oh up God. into the climbs up into a chamber and then it cuts to like the setting sun and birds flying off into the distance and like trees and flowers like all it was I'm like they be I just fucking. like yeah I'm like they be fucking and then they then they show them and he's on the floor kneeling on the floor with his arms around her in a in a passionate oh, embrace and it's, it's the so next morning hilarious. and I'm just like 
how i'm like did he get like did were they be fucking so hard he fell off the goddamn bed like what the what (laughs) deanna durbin what is you doing (laughs) norma (laughs) she's like okay she's like i'm gonna fuck you straight off this bed like get out of here i couldn't i mean i would have loved it if if it was like trains going through tunnels and a rocket <laughs> blasting off you know it's almost like that scene but they didn't have the technology at the time period to do that like you know because it's you know it's the italian renaissance so it would have been like a someone gond- using a, a hand crank drill through a tunnel. <laughs> yes Yes, a gondola slowly going into a tunnel and then backing back up and going. <laughs> Damn, you bought me, beat me to it. Yes, a gondola going back and forth. <laughs> it's so, it was like, what is this cutaway montage? I was my like, sides. oh my God. Ugh. It was oh, quite so a, funny. it was, I was like, that's a choice. <laughs> so funny. Um, Oh yeah, my God, so that, that was, was that so was so funny. good. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> trying to think of if there were any other looks that I really want to like. Anyway, uh, I, we can talk about them. Um, did you want me to run through the story? Yeah, of run Romeo through the story. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. we got looks. Um, we got so many yes. looks. <laughs> so, um, Romeo and Juliet. So, we got two families, the Montagues and the Capulets, and they are suffering from an age-old feud that has resulted in many people getting killed. So, we are introduced to Romeo, played by Leslie Howard, who is the son of Lord Montague, played by Robert Warwick, and he is suffering from a broken heart. Um, so, his buddy Benvolio, played by the ultra-dreamy Reginald Gen- Denny, is trying to cheer him up. Uh, so they end up meeting with their other friend, a S- Mercutio, played by the super old John Barrymore. <laughs> I was going to say 50 something, but fine. Yeah. Well, <laughs> comparatively speaking, 50 is the new 40. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He certainly was feeling it. Um, and so they end up sneaking into a masquerade ball th- being thrown over at Casa de Capulet. Uh, so then uh, the nephew of Lord Capulet, uh, Lord Capulet played by C. Aubrey Smith, um, the nephew Tybalt, played by Mr. Basil Rathbone, uh, notices the intruding boys, but he cannot retaliate during the gala um, because he's not allowed to spill blood in their house. So after Romeo is snubbed by his crush, he notices Juliet played by Norma Shearer. She notices him too, mm-hmm. and the pair are instantly smitten. Um, but by the way, I also got us before I go on, I just want to say that he was super in love with... Uh, Rosaline. What's her? Rosaline. Which, by the way, she, like, I just want to point out that usually she's only spoken of. Like, they actually gave her a persona even though she didn't speak. I love that they actually brought that in right. the whole scene. And she looked amazing. Wasn't there an interaction, though? I feel... No, no. I she feel was like always he's... mentioned, but but she's not an actual character and they they sort of pulled her forward into like making and they gave him like gave a scene with her but there is no scene or anything she's just mentioned oh i thought he gave she gave him a look and just kind of like an up and down and just like walked away like it was very much like he he knew she knew she he was there or something no 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 traditionally the story no she's i mean like in the actual but in this one oh yeah in this one for sure that's the thing is they they wrote her in and she looks amazing and she kind of snubbed and she kind of snubbed romeo which made him even more but then he's like immediately over her but he's like in love with her to the point where he's like inconsolable and then he's immediately in love with Juliet and I'm just like Romeo just loves love (laughs) what can you say (laughs) so after the ball Romeo sneaks back into the Capulet compound to holler at Juliet from her balcony 
Um, so the two decide to marry the very next day. <clears throat> Excuse me. The friar marries them the next day in an effort to unite the two warring houses. So shortly after, Romeo, Benvolio, and Mercutio are confronted by the insulted Tybalt. Tybalt challenges Romeo to a duel, but now being married, Romeo refuses to fight, but Mercutio accepts on Romeo's behalf. When Romeo tries breaking up the fight, Mercutio gets fatally wounded, um, and then Romeo retaliates by killing Tybalt. Um, As punishment for the murder, the prince, played by Conwell Conway Tyrrell um, exiles Romeo. So uh, Romeo spends the night with Juliet to quote seal the deal. And the next day, the uh, stricken with grief from losing her husband, not her cousin, her father announces that she is going to be married to Count Paris, played by the ultra hunky Ralph Forbes. I was like, we need to spend more time on Ralph Forbes Seriously? next time when they reshoot this movie. <laughs> <laughs> he was super dupe streamy, and I was just like, you could do worse, Juliet. <laughs> there was, yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm yeah. like, and a- yeah. Yes, he was a big old meathead, and I was like, uh, you're going to go with the wafy little uh, Romeo, or are you going to go with Paris, who's yeah, got, you know... who also had some just, looks, by the way. We'll talk about yeah. that later. So. Uh, so she pleads not to marry him, but her parents threaten to disown her if she doesn't. So Juliet visits the friar to help, um, to see if he can, um, for some help, and he offers her a potion that will make her appear dead long enough for Romeo to come and take her away in exile with her. The friar um, then sends a message to Romeo to clue him in on the plan. So the night before the wedding, she takes the potion and is discovered the next day by her nurse, played by Edna May Oliver. Thinking she, thinking that she dead, the family places her into the crypt, mm-hmm. um, and the messenger ends up getting sidelined instead of being able to finish his job by someone with a pestilence. Um, so the friend delivering a letter to Juliet finds out about her death and rushes back to inform Romeo of her death. So Romeo, stricken with grief, rustles up some poison, um, and then he heads off to Juliet's crypt to kill himself where he runs, um, runs into Paris and kills him. So Romeo ends up drinking the poison mere moments before Juliet wakes up from her fake death. So Juliet discovers her dead husband and kills herself with a dagger. The friar then recounts what happened. Um, He finds both of them dead. And then he recounts the families about what happened. And then it ends up reuniting them. So all it took was five dead bodies to do that. So you got Romeo's dead, Juliet's dead, Tybalt's dead, Mercutio's dead, and Paris is dead. But the families are back together, which is nice. The end. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I love these little book reports. It's fun. (laughs) Wrapped up in a tight little bow. Uh, Yay. Um, So, did you have a favorite look from this film? Ooh. I mean, I had several looks. I mean, as far as um, I, I, I think about, like, Juliet's costuming men's costuming was amazing like just oh, really man. stand Come out on. and i i guess well let, let me I'm like i know what i'll be wearing this fall i know right <laughs> i i think it, i was actually thinking of particularly standing out um paris's outfit at the masquerade ball because it had like these embroidered wings on like these long oh, like embroidered my God, wing oversleeves yes. and that yes that was like a, fucking strong like that's really amazing but also i i did draw a slight montage of the different shaped cod pieces i found again half (laughs) circles and squares all bouncing off junk (laughs) sorry but they were they were yeah and they look great so you were 
preoccupied with the with the god pieces. Well, the, yes, that that pretty much. And then also, but I did like Juliet's looks. <laughs> um, I guess. <laughs> It's really hard. But she wasn't wearing a cod piece, so what? No, <laughs> no. I, I guess, I don't know. I really kind of love the ending because the whole thing of, like, the idea that she's buried in her wedding dress, I think oh, that's yeah. goth as fuck. And so, like, I'm kind <laughs> totally. of, that's probably my favorite look because then she's also wearing sort of, like, the garland around her head that looks like a halo of, like, mm-hmm. the leaves and everything. And she has that whole, like, Virgin Mary kind of look to her, like Deanna Dermot, Virgin Mary, full fantasy yes. realness. But, yes. um, so I, I think that that would probably be my favorite look but then my second favorite is the, what she wears at the masquerade mainly because the upper part the bodice part looks like the dress that drew barrymore wears in the ball like at, at the end of ever after that's supposedly uh-huh, her mom's yeah. dress and it like it totally has that like v- very much i'm just like how could you have not been inspired because that to me looks very has and i love that movie so much and the costumes yes. above that but it was definitely giving that vibe so I guess those would be my two favorite, like my favorite. But yeah, so the end one. But also, I think I've just symbolically, as far as um, that goes in like Juliet's costuming, because it's very formulaic, but in a a specific way, like, you know, those always stick out in my mind as sort of like what she meets Romeo in at first, like love at first sight. And then like what she's, you know, like what she wears at the end, which she's supposed to be, that's her wedding dress, but which becomes her funeral dress. But then yes. also, um, I think there's you know special place in my heart for the uh, dressing gown or whatever she wears in the balcony scene, and I so I really really love that too because it's like this oh, embroidered yeah. chiffon with a very interest a very 1930s sort of like embroidered print on this like um, just like peignoir dressing you know dressing gown and probably with some sort of like ivory dress or you know a light dress underneath it but mm-hmm. yeah anyway i'm running on but those are my favorite looks um, aside <laughs> from all the extras who look on point and all and the moms look on point with their crazy headdresses yes. and stuff so moms look insane um, they're almost okay. look like weird like goddesses or yes something. Like, or totally evil queens doing... yes they yes, are just love... i mean ask me on. about my yeah. henan it is it is like <laughs> out to here and up to there it's crazy <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. Love it. Oh my god. Um goodness. There's so many. Yeah, good what's your favorite? Would you have like a top three or is it oh like Oh my god. Well my favorite, I think my number one with a bullet would have to be um to Tybalt's look that he wears at the um at the ball, which we've already talked right? about. Right? Okay, with well Tybalt with the He has looks like through the he whole thing. Has <laughs> some looks. I think even his first outfit he's wearing like this big all like chunky chain. Like he's yes. got like a statement that he's got like a statement necklace in the very beginning. He gets all he's, the like, statement jewelry in I this. know. He's <laughs> just like he is feeling his Countess Luann vibes yep. from the Housewives of New York. Like it's all about a statement look, you mm. know. And he's got these beautiful doublets. And the one that he wears at the um at the masquerade is, is just fantastic. I love it so so much. Yeah. Well and let's actually, face it, he's got legs up to here. I mean he's, I mean, he's, he's yes. It's, it's like good. shorty it's yeah. like he's got the corset with a shorty short skirt on over like and it's all made of like pieces of metal. It's and his legs look a mile tall. Like you, yeah. you go girl. Yeah. But the father, Mr Mr. Capulet, also that, he you. has an amazing oh. costume too because he has like a cape that kind of has like a yoke mm-hmm. and then the cape isn't actually a cape it's all strips of embroidered fabric that are lined and it's all this like beautiful so it's almost like car wash mm-hmm. kind of um thing it looks 
super fabu. Like, I want that in my life. Like, I'm just like, can I wear a cape that's just like strips of fabric that's just kind of like jingle jangle back and forth as I walk, you know, yes. as I promenade well, throughout the room. Like, and, you know, that's isn't that, isn't that the so masquerade? Cool. He's the one who wears that, like, he has the mantle, like, short cape thing with the big, heavy beaded tassels, too. Like, he's just oh, wearing layers yeah, on layers. So. Like, I'm like just mesmerized by those in those fantastic. scenes. Fantastic. It's yeah. lavish. 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 Opulence. Opulence. <laughs> <laughs> Categories. <laughs> Masquerade realness. Oh. Uh, it's so fantastic. Um, I think even, like, what Leslie Howard wears at the end when he fights, um, when he fights Paris yes. is really cool, too, because he has these, like, asymmetric, he has these tights on that are, like, asymmetrical. One side has, like, this big old bold, like, motif up the mm-hmm. side, and then on the other side is one small motif. It's, like, really cool. Like, there's just some, like... Oliver Messel was taking some like taking chances and doing big things with this. Oh and I no! Love and how much it looks so he good. did! Like yeah. it's fantastic. Oh my god! No, I everybody just, looks I, amazing. Like I said, even the extras, even the people you see, even Rosalind. Like you see when she oh, gets yeah. picked up, she's in this gorgeous beaded gown with this amazing like winged headdress that I, I, I oh, at yeah. first almost reminds you of like Cher. It has a very Bob Mackie oh. vibe to it, but like, but it's <laughs> yes. these giant wings, and it's just like she's just she doesn't even have a, have a speaking part. She just gets picked up, I know. and like, and, and she there's... looks breathtakingly gorgeous. Like, makeup, no, imagine everything's if you flawless. so there was another look that I wanted to kind of highlight too before I forget when she when Julia is about to take the poison and she mm-hmm. is um, kind of doing that long soliloquy she wears this really kind of what looks like drab but because it's in black and white but it's got this raised like um, like uh, rows of beads that are yes. up, like ra- radiating mm-hmm. from outside of her neck so it's almost like I don't know it just it's so gorgeous and then it has all this like beautiful like geometric beading on the sl- it's really really beautiful no, so that one was another one that I wanted to, to highlight but I th- just thinking about like being like a young designer like being imagine being like a young like wannabe designer Mm -hmm. and it's 1936 and you go to the movies because you don't have the internet and you don't have any like there's not books and like photos and everything at your disposal and you go and you see this movie for the very first time and there's all of these looks like i would straight up lose my mind no like, and, the and then like a year later we get marie antoinette fantastic. you're just like what is going yeah, on well in my li- yeah. there, three it was it three years was it 39 was yeah, was th- marie antoinette i or think 30, thir- any- no it was like 30 38 so but I, I, anyway but i'm just saying it wasn't but that it's long. like not much yeah. longer a couple like, years later you get that like, yeah oh my god it was fantastic i just but no but you're right this would have i mean can you imagine <sighs> like, being or being in high school and you see this and you're super into theater it's just like i yes. my mind like just th- th- peed a little like it's just <laughs> you know what i mean you just, <laughs> it's so good totally yes it's totally so it's so good and this, like i would have been such a huge norma shearer fan back in the day i mean seriously yeah. how can you not so, like, aside, love aside her? from like aside from the the like miscasting of the fact the fact that they're older than they should be and like uh-huh. it you know or like the fact that it's in black and white or even if you're not into Shakespeare this movie is gorgeous it's just pretty dope it really absolutely is. gorgeous just yeah. phenomenally gorgeous so and, and like just I, straight up inspiration like if you are somebody who does theater or in theater and you're doing this production um i feel mm-hmm. like um, you know, yeah, you're right. Like age aside, they really are yeah. like the storytelling through the costuming, particularly through Juliet's costuming, I think is absolutely wonderful 
because again yes. they took a, a they made somebody you know they took a 30 mid 30s woman and made her look 20 years <laughs> younger like you are feeling it you are seeing and feeling yeah. the story so to me it's like the most obvious sort of storytelling and that kind of thing is done i think through juliet uh, I think they totally. do such a great job in making this person look so Juliet. You know, like to me, like, right? <laughs> yeah. Like when you see her, you're like, yeah. yep, I know exactly who you are and what story you're telling, you know? Yeah. And um, it's just, it's great. But yeah, lavish. Oh, lavish. Yes. Those yes. sets, the beginning. And I, I, I mean, read that, like, they actually did, like, they took pictures of Verona and like aerial shots and stuff and maps and they they really tried to sort of recreate an aesthetic that wow. was as Verona-ish as Hollywood could do um, but the amount but I but even seeing that and you see these giant steps and all, I'm like somebody built that like all yeah. these were built for this just for this yeah. movie it's it's that's really just so wonderful about old films that's what I mm-hmm. love about old films is everything is practical yep. all of the the all the effects and all the sets and everything they're not putting up green screens and just sort of doing it in post they're not just like you know it's just nope, like they're legit real. building the world in there so you have to go on set and like you know if they want like a, the catacombs if they want to film in the catacombs, they have to build that yep. and like make it like legit. Especially it, MGM to, at that time. They didn't yeah. go anywhere. They didn't locate, do no. location shoots. They built it there. And it's just, it, it's, it's really, it's beautiful. And it looks so amazing um, on black mm-hmm. and white. Norma Shear, again, I'm fascinated with her and her life and just like reading about like sort of what she was going, was going on in her life in this time. And I don't know. I, I, I think she's it's great like yeah. I, I want I want to like learn more you know um, and I definitely see more of her movies that she did prior to this uh, her a lot of more of her pre-code stuff but um, mm-hmm. but yeah. yeah me too two thumbs up so glad we got to do this for our uh, <laughs> sexy summer Shakespeare series so it's gonna be great it's gonna be great we've got one, one more, more movie one more and then the summer's over it's time to go back to school yeah yeah so soak it in guys we hope you have a wonderful rest of your summer yes and i hope yeah. it's filled with tons of sexiness and tons of shakespeareness <laughs> and let me tell you we got some great stuff lined up for the rest of the year oh, we are my so God. excited we've been we are fresh we've been working back hard from LA. and uh, oh. we're, we're so stoked to like yeah we, we did an amazing trip to la and we've got uh really great special episodes coming up for the rest of the year oh and um more to come we're excited. We love this. We love you guys. And thank you. Yes. <laughs> um, with that, please keep in touch with us. You can hit yes. us up over on social media. Like I said, we've got the Facebook page, Old Hollywood and Realness. But please join. Ask, request to join the OHR um, podcast, darlings. Mm-hmm. Um, you just have to. It's a closed group, so you just have to request, and I'll add you. It's no big deal. Um, and then you guys can, so all people can like um, share stories, ask questions, you know, those sort of things. I just want to make it a little bit more interactive yeah. than what we've had before. Um, which would be awesome. You can hit us up over, of course, um, Instagram, Old Hollywood Realness, Twitter at OHR Podcast. Email us if you have any questions or you want, you, we missed anything or you want to add anything. Um, Old Hollywood Realness at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, Old Hollywood Realness.com. You can always hit us up there. There's, um, and then also on Pinterest, we'll have all the recaps. Um, in the meantime, you can help us out by giving, uh, by rating us over on um, iTunes, rating us five stars and writing a review. Just like we had a new one from Kai 
Jerkris. I hope I said that right. Um, she says, uh, he or she says, it's a must listen. Um, I am a hopeless 45-year-long early film addict. In all caps. When I first listened to your podcast, I was wondering why you spent so much time on the fashion. Duh, it's in your subtitle. Now, I am now downloading enough podcasts each day to carry me through my three hours of daily dog rescue walks. Then I go home and stream one of the films you've covered. Great way for a teacher on hiatus to spend her summer, don't you think? And you two make me laugh out loud, which makes me look like one of those crazies (laughs) wandering around our community. But keep it up. This show is the most fun I've ever ever had listening to a podcast of which I've listened to a ton. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Oh, it's wonderful. Thank you so yes, much. Yes, thank That's, you so uh, much. Love these. And may I add, this is not the first time we've got a review where they were like, thank you, I laugh like a crazy person when I listen to your podcast. <laughs> Our work is done, I believe. Yes. <laughs> thank you so much for this uh, for the review um we'll keep up you keep them coming and we'll keep them that's coming. right <laughs> um i want to give a mad th- um, a bunch of thanks to how lublin for his vocal talents at the po- top of the podcast and with that i want to thank you for listening to old hollywood realness bye <laughs>